There's no shame in ghost hunting by yourself. I've gone on plenty of investigations alone, but here are some things I wish I knew when I first got started. You're listening to Ghostly Activities. I'm your guide, Jacob Rice. And today's episode is Advice for the Solo Ghost Hunter. Now, I've made plenty of mistakes on solo paranormal investigations, and when I started, I didn't have a mentor. I read some books, watched some shows, actually watched a lot of shows. And then I picked up my Melmeter and headed out into the dark. Luckily, I had some street smarts about me because, well, I started in Chicago. And big cities will definitely make you much more aware of your environment, eh? <laughs> anyway, here's the advice I hope you take to heart as a solo ghost hunter. First is your safety. I don't think I can stress this enough. The living are far more dangerous than the dead. When you go out, make sure you have an exit plan. If something seems odd about the haunt, including the clients, don't forget most of the stuff is going to be with the clients. Uh, and I mean, there's a reason I stopped investigating private residences. That is a podcast episode for another day. Now, if it's your family or your friend's home, I wouldn't be as worried about safety. However, friends of friends and acquaintances require extra scrutiny. I have less concern about museums or libraries or businesses, as long as it's just you with maybe a security guard. If it's a private residence, it seems a little odd, and, you know, you get the heebie-jeebies about it, not like ghostly heebie-jeebies, I'd probably skip it. So, as a rule, always tell someone where you're going and when you'll end the investigation. Then text or call that person and let them know you're on your way home. But I actually like to have them call me. Because if I pick up my phone in front of someone, that means there's someone trying, you know, outside trying to get a hold of me. And that's far more convincing. And it's also, that was all pretty common sense stuff too. So next up is ghost hunting gear. And here's one of the big things. I'm so guilty of this. Don't bring too much gear on the ghost hunt. Um, being a solo ghost hunter takes extra time management. You have to set up all the gadgets. You got to check that they're working. You got to pack them up and move them. And I've left very expensive equipment behind because I just rushed myself to get out. Or brought too many to actually remember. Like I said, I'm a gadget nerd. So as a rule, never bring more than three when you're ghost hunting alone. And those devices would be the ones like a video camera, audio recorder, and maybe something that does something with the, uh, or measures something in the environment. Could be an Eddie Plus, could just be a Melmeter. Yeah. Next up, plan your investigation. This is a bit longer. Um, it's, it's critical. You have to keep a schedule. You need to have a list of experiments. You got to have your gadget inventory. And you got to know how you're going to set up. One of the bad things is you may not have reviewed the place. You might not have had time to do a walkthrough. So you don't know what the place looks like. And you don't know how to set up the experiments. That eats up a lot of time. So when it comes to the schedule... That really means how long you, you plan to go at the haunted hotspot. 
You can't stay in one spot the entire time. You could be missing something in another part of the house, the museum, the business. So you need to move around and futz with the gear. And as a rule, I usually spend 45 minutes in one spot. And that's a good 30 minutes of investigating, AKA asking a lot of questions to ghosts, right? Uh, and then 15 minutes total to set up, tear down and move. Okay, that's your guide for the evening. If you get something that makes you want to investigate longer, then be prepared to strike an experiment from your list. In general, I keep my solo ghost hunts to about three to four hours. It just depends on how large and active the haunt is. So you can imagine since you have to tear it down and move, that's why you don't need to have a lot of gadgets that require a lot of setup. SLS Connect, I'm looking at you. Next up, your experiment list. So this is the number of experiments you want to run. I always say keep it simple, something like, I'm going to do an EVP session in the parlor. And I like to put down the gadgets to use next to the experiment's name. Then, you know, you just go through, you reference it. And if you need to cancel one, you know, you know, you know what you're missing out for. So I would go with more of the nice to have experiments that get whacked. If you get involved in a, an active haunting. Next is the gadget inventory. Oh yes, I am so guilty. You want to know where your gadgets are, or you'll end up forgetting them and missing them in the dark, because it happens a lot. <laughs> uh, and this is why also your experiment list is so important. Also, you don't actually need to investigate in the dark. That's, that's a bunch of BS. Most people see the ghosts with their own eyes with the lights on, so why would you turn off the lights? Uh, anyway, back to the inventory. This is just a simple list where you place your gadgets around the haunted location. And if you don't have that much gear, then, you know, it can work as an experiment list just fine. Next up is your setup ideas. And now that you know which experiments to run and the gear you're going to use, now you can think about how you place the gear around the area to capture evidence. I always recommend setting a camera to film the widest area around you and your equipment and that's just because you want as much of the environment as possible you never know when or where a ghost is going to cross by as for audio just place them on the table or chair near you if you have a really good mic on your video camera that can work just so you know most of the evps you hear on the website and in my videos they're recorded with the video cameras but i have really nice ones okay um if you have an engagement or trigger device same thing applies. Holding gadgets usually leads to false positives. Just set them down around you and let the video capture it all. Next up, you have to be a jack of all trades. As a solo investigator, you have to do everything for yourself. So that means find haunted places, interview witnesses, do the research about the haunted history, pack up your gear, set up your gear, move your gear. You have to know how to use your gadgets. You don't want to go to the ghost hunt and then fiddle with an SLS Connect. I'm just saying that because those things are troublesome to put together. Um, got to record everything. You got to analyze all the evidence. Write the reports for your client. Maybe if you're going to put them on your website, which I recommend. Then you have to promote your work, and that usually means the social medias. So there's a lot to it. It's, don't take on too much if you, if you don't have to. No one said you have to investigate every opportunity, and it's fine to say no. 
So as a rule, get really good at two or three gadgets, block your time for analysis. I'm, I'm, this is another sub rule on that. You have to review everything within 72 hours. Otherwise you start forgetting content context and you'll say something's a ghost. That's not it happens all the time. And then lastly, say no more than yes to ghost hunting opportunities. Really, it'll help keep you sane. Next is evidence analysis. You know, I talked about the 72-hour thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm serious. It's important to make sure you review all your data. You have to watch all the video, review the images, listen to the audio, process the data from whatever gadgets you use, like the Eddy Plus. Luckily, Excel makes that super fast. Do it all within 72 hours. In my workflow, I use software I know well. So for my audio processing, I use Hindenburg. For the videos, I have Final Cut Pro. I use Excel for the data loggers. It's just whatever you're really comfortable with, that's what you want to use because you'll be much more efficient. And here's another thing. You don't have to record continuously. No one wants to listen to eight hours of nonstop audio. I usually keep everything in 30 minute chunks. And then if you're doing a live listening session, you know, you ask three questions, stop, rewind, listen again. Um, it's just when you got a big chunk of data to go through a big old block, it's pretty intimidating. You're mo more likely to abandon it. So as a rule, Break up your data into digestible chunks so you don't get intimidated by the reviewing time. And the last bit of advice and tips I've got for you deals with branding. I hate this part. I hate personal branding and all the marketing stuff. But if you want access to the best haunts, it's a good idea to have that social media profile, YouTube channel, website that you can just send people and say, hey, check out my stuff. This is something you could expect, okay? Um, you know, prospects. This is this what is what helps you with their your credibility. You can showcase the quality of your investigations, uh, and a lot of times, if it's a business, a museum, hotel, blah blah blah, they'll view these things as promotional packets. So that's that's kind of a double-edged situation there because coming in ghost hunt, I want you want you'd have ghosts so I can have ghostly tours. Um, anyway, it, it just makes life easier if you can send a link off to say, hey, here's my stuff. Now, if you just want to investigate in your friends' homes or publicly accessible places like a cemetery, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you want into a national heritage site or museum, then you've got to prove you're top-notch. So, it helps to have a package to show. As a rule... Have a decent website because you can give more context about your investigations and provide more examples. Social media is fine for short snippets, but it's not the best for presenting a full investigation. Don't be afraid of web tech to make a website or page. Digital media is quick and easy. You can screw it up, delete it, fix it, piece of cake. You can use some of these automate, automated template um blog website makers out there like Tumblr, Blogger, WordPress. I use WordPress. There's about a gazillion other platforms you can do. And of course, 
You can also search YouTube to get some more advice as well. Everything's on YouTube. But like I said, look at the credibility of the host and their body of work. So that's what I've got for you today, folks. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back in a week. I think I will finally tell you why I don't investigate private residences anymore. All right, take care.